0: A1216.20. 1216.2021, one, two, two, welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new and classic Star Trek. I am your reluctant captain, Mike Garcia, and with me on the view screen, we have...
1: Mariah Gossett.
2: Clyde Haynes.
0: Uh, Grant Davis isn't with us right now, and I forgot to think of a clever uh, Trek... Upon reason that he's not here. Can anybody he's help been me? destroyed
1: by the DMA?
0: <laughs> the the mini DMA or the actual DMA?
1: Oh, the mini one, of course.
0: <laughs> the mini one. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say
2: he's got a two o'clock meeting.
0: <laughs> uh this week we are streaming the pod live on YouTube. We're gonna be talking Cronenberg. We're gonna be talking arrogant scientist, uh, talking lovely beautiful but deeply troubled ship's counselors talking dmas talking inmate rights talking stars talking trek mike just get to the point tonight we're reviewing another brand new episode of discovery it's season four episode five the examples written by kyle jero directed by lee rose uh i'm excited to dive into this one guys but before we do clyde can you remind the folks about the live chat
2: hey if you are watching us live and you want to participate in our podcast youtube live stream whatever you want to call it, it if is. you <laughs> want to participate all you have to do is ca- type capital p capital o capital D, capital Pod in the chat and we will check out your comment if you have a hot something you know what it is Type a capital H F in the chat and we'll take a look at it when we get to that part of the show.
0: Yes. Yes. But, uh, but you know, before we do anything else, um, let's do some hot breaks. All right, let's do this. It's time for hot freaks. And if you're watching us or listening to the pod for the first time, hot freaks are our quick hot takes on the episode we are reviewing. If you're watching live, Please do drop your hot freaks in the chat uh, with HF in front of it. All right. Hot freaks disco season four, episode five. Who wants to go first?
1: I'll jump in. Um, I think. We've really hit our stride with Discovery. I felt like this was a great episode. We're hitting a little bit of that adventure of the week feel which reminds me of our old classic Trek, but still getting enough information to move our major season plot forward. Um, I like that we got a lot of fun references across the Trek universe and time span from Voyager references, TOS references, Enterprise, like all of everything was referenced, I feel like in this episode in some way shape or form. Uh, there's a USS Janeway which I'm excited about made me very happy. Um, and I really feel like I'm excited. They made the investment into this beloved AR wall because we get to see new planets every single episode. (laughs) Uh, so we got to jump into a colony this week, uh, I also really love Michael Gray Eyes. So, I was super stoked to see him as uh, as a guest star in this episode. So, overall, I had a great time and I'm really excited to talk about some theories about the
2: DMA later.
0: We will get into that. Uh, Clyde, hot freak.
2: I thought it was a good episode. I don't know that I thought it was like my favorite episode. I thought there were some bits and pieces in the middle that I don't want to say they, they, they dragged, but it was, it was obvious, right? Like you knew was the name Felix. You knew he was not going to join. You know, he was going to, there was something that was going to cause him to, to stay back. So so mm-hmm. it was just one of those things where I was like, okay, well, this is a little different, but I liked it in the fact that it felt like, it felt like TNG track to me, like, and I'm, I'm digging that it is. <laughs> Look, there's going to be a problem at the beginning of the episode. There's a good chance at the end of the episode that problem is going to be solved. Um, I, I'm I'm loving that a bit, and I think that the there's some some ongoing plot points. When I think about the strain on Captain Burnham and Book's relationship, is we're starting to see it pull a little bit, and and I thought that was done well. Um, I think we're seeing some growth from Stamets and he's seeing this person that he didn't like very much. And then who he's like, Oh, this guy is, it's really interesting. And he's kind of looking in a a mirror a bit. I I think there's a lot in here that was just kind of interesting. I mean, look, and I can't, the guy from rise, I can't remember his name at the moment, but all I thought was. Ruan Tarka. Yes. Tarka. I was thinking, You don't know Saru, but I wouldn't yell at him. Of all the people on the ship, he's probably the last person I'm screaming in their face. Because not only can he pick you up and just start slamming you on the deck like a rag doll, he's got these things in his neck. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm not messing with him. So I thought that was a bold, interesting move. And kudos for Saru for keeping it very chill. I like that. So, no, I thought it was a good episode. I just didn't think it was my favorite episode.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely not, like, the high point of the season for me, but still really solid. And I think what I like the best about this, well, two things. I really like that um, this episode, like Star Trek of the past, did a nice job of presenting Starfleet as an empathetic um, outfit. And it showed that empathy as strength, like when Michael and Book risked their lives to save these inmates, six inmates. And um, between Michael and Michael and Book, they didn't know what these inmates did, and they didn't care. They deserve to live. We need to save them. We're going to be empathetic. And that translates into um, being brave and being strong and doing the right thing, which is what— I always responded to about Star Trek and the Federation and Starfleet. So that was a great depiction of that. Also, I just am really loving the, the focus on Colbert this season. We got, we got a good amount of it last season, but I think, um, I, I I think the, uh, the focus on him this season has a potential to be very deep and interesting. And I like that we're getting a, call back to his extreme trauma, his extreme sci-fi trauma uh in a way that isn't a joke or oh i died and came back haha you know we're we're actually it seems like we're going to deal with it and it would only make sense in his role not only as uh the doctor but as ship's counselor where he's counseling like up to five or six people a day um and and counseling all these refugees that are coming ab- aboard that um there's uh, a lot of layers there that will lead to him not just burning out, but um, what we saw in this episode. You know, he's still dealing with those traumatic effects. He's dealing with survivor's guilt, survivor's remorse, which is interesting, and I like the way they they brought that up in this episode. But there was a lot more to like about this episode. You know, now more than I think about it, I I really like the idea that this was kind of a like you guys were saying, kind of a mix of TNG, mix of TOS with the plot. You know, there was a problem. We solved it uh, through ingenuity and bravery and empathy and all that. Um, but there were also some really great um, character side side stories. And there was a really... Uh, there was forward movement, it seems, with the DMA plot. So it was a good mix of stuff. And I thought it was really solid. Um, before we dive into more... Um, I do want to get some of these hot freaks from our live viewers. We can talk about those. All right. Uh Marge. Oh, good point, Marge. Marge says Zora has feelings. Mm-hmm. Could be trouble. That's what Marge took away from this episode. Yeah. Are we <laughs> do we really want our AI to be sentient? So far, Zora has been cool and helpful and chill and empathetic, but if yeah, you make she, her mad, is she gonna yeah. is she it's gonna even, like heat up your sonic shower and give you a nice, you know, burn or something?
2: I, I'm not even thinking about her hurting a crew, but do you want your starship to feel guilty about shooting down an enemy vessel? Right? Yeah. Like like that's a that's a little bit of a problem. Like when I go fire, you know, in the heat of a battle, I don't want I you you don't want your weapon of choice to go, hmm, how do I feel about this, right? So I think that's the thing that um, that concerns me a little bit. I think it's kind of cool, but it's also a little alarming.
0: I think it's yeah. kind of cool because I was excited for Zora, like, as a character. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I like seeing that growth. But that's, that's an interesting wrinkle you brought up, Clyde. What if Zora has ethical conflicts in the heat of battle? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I'd wonder what the parameters are for Zora as far as like what she can and cannot have access to without like command mm-hmm. codes and different capabilities and things like that, that could pose as some interesting plot um, points moving forward. And then we also know eventually Zora is abandoned. So it's, it's interesting to see if that is, a, if that's part of the reason why eventually the ship is retired yeah. in that particular way, because she she's went too powerful. <laughs>
0: Yeah, another weird, interesting, and I think, like, super compelling um, wrinkle in this season, right? We're getting a bunch of interesting stuff with these characters. We saw Tilly take off last last uh, episode, which uh, I know we didn't do a pod for the last episode, for episode four. So we'll touch on that a little bit today. Yeah. Um, and a lot of characters still going through changes and crises and lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, continuing with the viewer hot. freaks, Kern says, this was not one of my favorites. I was really disappointed with the prison storyline making it so pat that all the prisoners were either repentant or unjustly incarcerated. Yeah. How'd you guys feel about the uh, prison storyline here?
1: I mean, I I'm... You know, personally, I'm in uh, a, a – an a, 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 oh, my God. I can't say the word. Um, I don't think we should have uh, abolitionists. Is that the word I'm looking for? I think <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Anyway, I don't think we should have prisons in general. So uh, that's my personal viewpoint. So I think any imprisonment is uh, unjust. Um, so f- to me, it was like, yes, of course, we should break all of these people out. And like yeah. – and and any crime is not worth people's time in prison. Um. So yeah, I, I I thought it was an interesting way to to kind of put that forward as far as like the personal choices of what people make and how they uh, pursue their justice, which I thought was inevitably what sort of happened at the end. Right? Like he knew what he thought his punishment should be for the crime that he did.
2: So I thought it was interesting. Uh, something just didn't quite add up to me, right? And that was. This is Emerald Chain territory, right? What we've seen for Emerald, Emerald Chain, Emerald Train, yeah. I, I think what we've seen is that you can have some kind of bad dudes in the Emerald Chain. Yet these six were all like, like pretty nonviolent. Not I am Jeanville
0: John I stole a piece of bread.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> it, it, it was it was very simple stuff. And there, I was kind of expecting somebody to go nuts. Right. And be like, I got you now, like something like that. And it just never happened. Um, so it was just, it, it, it seemed a little, I don't want to say blah, but just a, a little light. Um, it didn't bother me. I just kind of noticed it. I was like, okay, this is different.
1: Yeah. I mean, their whole thing was like they were the examples, right? So like through mm-hmm. the imprisonment of these people for their small crimes, um, or majority of the people for their small crimes like they that other people were like, well, I don't want to be that either. Um, So I guess it worked in their (laughs) their eyes. But I'm sure like,
0: (laughs) but I I would be
1: very interested to see how many people (laughs) maybe didn't even make it to the prison. How many other people were.
2: Yeah taken off world to other never prisons, worked anywhere else, right? Like, no, it's that, yeah. not yeah. a philosophy that's ever worked,
1: right? Because yeah, like, also like the like, same emerald chain that like put the things on the back of your neck. That's to, like, what I'm saying. Keep you from leaving, you know. So, I mean, if you also have that place, up.
2: like, like blow you up, yeah, like,
0: uh, yeah, so if uh, if the lighter version, of that. if this colony put people in prison for like stealing a sandwich or whatever that one guy did, like you've heard that phrase, like, oh, they did such a bad crime they're going to put them under the jail like i want who's buried under the jail right mm, like where right. are the real criminals but i but, i did um, like the idea i did like the uh the attempt at the idea that um at least bringing up the discussion about uh punitive prison systems versus rehabilitative ones oh, right yeah. obviously mariah we're along the same lines i'm a i am I, I of course Am for rehabilitative um, incarceration if there has to be incarceration, not necessarily punitive. And the one here was just an extreme example, so I can I I, I like that the the comparison or the idea was brought up and explored. Um, but when you hear that most of these criminals are, it, it 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 did seem a little slight and silly when you find out why the criminals quote unquote criminals are there. Yeah. Um but I'm not I'm not knocking it fully. I think it I think it still made its point pretty well. Yeah.
1: I mean those are all reasons people have gone to jail though, like on Earth. So it's like, <laughs> you know, if we all think it's silly in this T V show, then why are we doing True. this to
0: real life people? Yeah. Um, but I think they they locked them all up for life though. So that right. was that's that's what was different. Yeah. Like steal a sandwich, life. Oh, no. I mean,
1: but isn't any prison sentence a life sentence? Because then you can't get a job. You can't get housing. I just think, not, you know, if we're going to go down the rabbit hole.
2: <laughs> we, we could get not into to mention, a discussion all night about a yeah. Yeah. justice system and the ability to prove guilt or innocence. There's a whole, yeah. that is a sure. rabbit trail. And yeah. what's supposed to be, or I think what I enjoy about Star Trek is it's supposed to be a world where a lot of that has been resolved, mm-hmm. right? Where some of that, those injustices, those concerns have been resolved. And usually in Star Trek, what happens, and this is, you know, par for the course, is we sh- our, our beloved characters show up somewhere else on someone else's planet, and then there is a trial about whether or not, like, in their justice system, and we get to critique our own justice system by looking at right. someone else's. And that usually takes on the main plot of the entire show. This was done differently in that there were a couple plots. Um, And so I think that maybe that's what I was used to. I was expecting Tom Paris and Harry Kim to be struggling over something or Riker to be accused for murdering some like things like that. Um, This was a a different take.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But what it, it did give us was... Uh, it was a different take, and I think uh, just like a lot of other episodes of Discovery, uh, instead of putting us through something procedural like that, like some of those old episodes would do to to make its thematic point, this one instead invited us into the heart and soul of a character with um, uh, the guy who stayed behind.
1: Michael eyes character,
0: Felix? Yeah, Ma- Michael eyes I think his name was Felix. Yeah. Um, and if there wasn't a lot of depth on the page, I think this actor really sold um, what he was going through and it really worked for me. So at least we got that.
1: that yeah. Was really good. yeah. If y'all aren't uh, like uh, similar to Michelle Yeoh, uh, Michael Gray eyes IMDb page is full of some really great gems. So if you want to go down that rabbit hole, I highly recommend it. Um, he's wonderful on Rutherford falls. Yeah. Um, mm.
0: Yeah, he was but, awesome in this.
1: Yeah, I really but, enjoy him. Um, yeah.
0: But I wanted hot- to... Oh, go ahead.
1: oh, we did? Okay, go ahead.
0: Yeah. Uh, Chupi says, Hot Freak, this was my least favorite so far, but still has interesting bits and pieces for me. The Colony was a the animated series similarity. I definitely think scientists... The scientist, the new scientist, is sus. Book is right about him. And... All caps. Zora has feelings. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, that ahead. led me right into what I wanted to talk about, which is, I think the I I think uh, Tarka is suspicious. I'm like, how would oh, yeah. you know exactly how to build this thing so quickly, even at a yeah. tiny scale? Which means you probably wrote up a plan for that. I don't think he necessarily made it, but I would 100% guarantee. He wrote up plans for something and they were stolen by someone, or um, you know, he because he had that thing on the back of his neck, um, which I mm-hmm. think is left over from the emerald chain stuff, is what yes. I took from it. Um, yeah.
0: And that's so that's what the uh yeah, somebody yeah, the evil chain... has
1: access to his knowledge.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um when people were abducted and on emerald chain like prison colonies, they they all had that the back of their neck right that's what that was Mm -hmm. about you see i i enjoyed tarka as a character i thought like at first it's like oh here's another like super arrogant scientist it was kind of cool his dynamic between him and stamets um and sean doyle the actor did a good job but i like that he even though he was extremely arrogant but he did prove his quote-unquote brilliance um and he also was a team player he didn't really put anybody down. He he worked with everyone. Uh, he worked with Reno. He worked with Stamets. He worked with Saru. and he he brought everybody kind of to his where he was. You know, he was like, but "Here's he, what I want
2: to do. Can you join me?" Um, but but he, was he still called kind them of names. He called kind of an asshole. He he, he called you know Reno grumpy lady. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Yeah, but that's that's for us to laugh at because we know she's a little grumpy. I just. <laughs> this is, I, uh, I, 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 I it felt almost as though he wanted the ship to blow up. Mm-hmm. Like he 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 was like let's push it let's just keep pushing let's keep pushing and it was kind of like mm.
1: I mean isn't it I, I, it was kind of funny to me that you put like the two most like i don't know willing to go to the edge of danger for their arrogance and their genius people in the same room so I'm really glad Saru was there because like while Reno is maybe a little bit more I don't know, uh, level headed, I guess. I don't know if she would have the ability to break through that arrogance, like (laughs) of those two together without Saru there. So, um, yeah, I think if Saru wasn't there, they 100% would have blown up the ship.
2: I I just got to say, I really love this cast. And I think an episode like this is okay because the cast just, they bring something extra, right? So if it's book in book communicating with very few lines, but just in his emoting his feeling. So if it's you know, you've got that, and then like T- Tignataro like lights up the room, like you know, she's in the room, and it's just those moment things where like she makes the comment about Tilly, then you've got Doug Jones kind of perfectly his timing was excellent. It was like I miss her too. Like, it's just these performances are really impressive. And I'm not trying to say anything else about any star Trek franchise, but I put this cast up against anybody in the star Trek, like on any ship in, in terms of just their ability to act. This is a strong cast.
0: I I love this cast. I want to echo that because, and, and it's, it's what you get when you have um, creators writing characters in the voice of the cast, because I know that Jet Reno was written specifically for Tignataro, and I think the same was done for Doug Jones and Saru, um, just kind of playing to those those performers' just strengths and personalities and i think that really shines through those are even though we don't get a lot of reno on the show i always connect with reno i always always am anticipating her coming on and uh i think at this point saru is my favorite character i I identify with him emotionally more than any of the other characters um and it's just because of that poised yet uh beautiful and varied performance that he gives and the same can be said for all the cast they're all amazing um I was watching today with my wife, and uh, she was like, I like the show. It's good. The actors are amazing. She's like, but what I miss compared to old Star Trek is that a lot of these actors, I've they're almost name actors. I've known them before. Mm-hmm. I've seen them before. And I have other associations with them. Whereas with the old Star Trek growing up, I didn't know any of these people. So it was different. It kind of felt like I was in on a secret that I knew who Patrick Stewart was or that I knew who, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan Frakes was. You know, do do you guys feel a little distracted when you see like Ricky from My So-Called Life uh, on the show or something like that?
1: No. And I think that's to all of these actors, um choices that they make like they really embody the characters that they're playing like and i mean it could also i think it's just like getting older right like as you get older you just know more of these faces and these actors so like mm-hmm. yeah it's well, like call it old. as <laughs> i said older <laughs> i didn't say old we, we see that gray um, in your
0: beard <laughs> but Looking I mean, good. do you know
1: what I mean? Like when you're younger, yeah. you're not having the same face recognition of all of these characters, like in the same yeah. way that, um, you know, now, like I grew up watching a lot of MASH and like, obviously Alan Alda is like iconic and in so many things beyond just MASH, you know, so it's you, but you allow them to really like immerse you in the world. So I don't think any. I find any of them. Like, I don't look at them and I'm like, oh, I don't believe you're this character because in my mind, you're this person.
2: I, I'm going to echo that because, I mean, it, it, you nailed it. And that's a great reference. Uh, Alan Alda. Um, I mean, you talk about probably one of the greatest shows of all time in MASH, right? But when he was on the West Wing, I wasn't thinking about Hawkeye. You know, I, I I was fully invested in Al- Alan Alda as Alan Alda. You can say the same thing um, with so many characters. Like, I'm a huge LeVar Burton fan, right? Like, I don't like it to come out that much. But, like, people say if you could have dinner with someone, who would be on the list? I got to admit, he's probably on my list a little bit, right? Be- whether it's Reading Rainbow or Ruth's, right? To me, in my head, when I think about who I was as a young person, he he is etched in my memory as an incredible influence and a phenomenal actor. That being said, when I watched TNG, he was Geordie. I wasn't looking at him and thinking Kinte. However, and, and I think likewise, when I look at this cast, I'm I look at Senequa Martin Green and I'm not thinking about The Walking Dead. Right? I'm I'm looking at these characters and I'm really into them because They've brought me there. It th- That was a risk. That was a risk. Now, I will say, the only character, and she's a phenomenal actress, and it's more my issue than it's hers. But when Michelle Yeoh shows up, I think about a lot of her roles, and I'm dying to see her with a sword in her hand. But that, that's <laughs> my issue, not hers.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, because she's so good with a sword in her hand. Yeah. I mean, it is amazing. <laughs> yeah.
2: She's literally one of the best like movie swords people of all time. So
0: yeah. yeah. Watching Shang-Chi, I was like, why isn't she kicking more ass? They they need to use her more,
2: you know, like that's all you're going to do. Okay. Yeah. But um, Good point.
1: I will say though, I also think it's fun that they are finally giving us um, some moments with our other bridge crew. I was, I was kind of, I was talking to my roommate about this today. Actually, it was the one thing I am missing a little bit of from older Trek in this particular series is more of that full ensemble bridge solving problems mm, kind mm-hmm. of stuff you know getting around the table and everyone's discussing how to solve the problem versus like kind of these smaller groupings and missions and and things like that which i don't know if i could see that being partially some sort of maybe covid restriction trying to to not have as many people close mm-hmm. to each other in one room for kind of things but um, but yeah, that's like the one thing I missed. Cause I did like that. We finally got to see commander Reese give us, um, some backstory. Although it, mm-hmm. then also because we haven't had more of those moments, I get really nervous then that someone's going to die. <laughs> Cause I think yeah. I have yes. such trauma around television now where it's like, oh, we're going to give you five nugget facts about this character that you've seen for a long time. And then we're going to kill them, you know, sort of mm-hmm. like yeah. what happened to, um, uh, a Avery, right No. Uh, our robot. Person. Oh, Arium.
0: Arium. Arium. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm like, please don't kill Colber again. No. Don't do
2: that. It's no. My no. Heart. Come on. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, Mariah. To your point, like, I miss it. Like, they will pan to like Nielsen, and I'm like, and and this this episode, her big line was this, just not like. Nelson, can you do this? And a reference. No, put hey, Nelson but, on the con. But Reese got some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I Reese got a little time. I don't know where bright. What happened to Bryce? Um,
1: I think so. I noticed most of the bridge crew was swapped out, and they had Easter egg dropped last episode about Colbert implementing work hour restrictions and having mm-hmm. more shifts. So I think this is them being oh, like, "Oh, cool. here's like the secondary bridge crew." I did. I did read they, that the um, actor.
0: I did read uh, that the actor who plays Bryce is working on another show, so he's kind of splitting his time.
2: Uh, but yeah. we just, got a I, slurm
1: I'm, on the on the on uh on the bridge.
2: Yes, I yes. saw that on the con. Um, <laughs> I just I'm, I, to your point, I do like the ready room moments where they're sitting around and it's like here's the problem, and then they're going by one by one. And it's like and you're getting to part of that is understanding who they are, right? So I want to see. I, I want to see them solve together and instead of, and maybe it is because of COVID restrictions, but it does see like mm-hmm. we're in pockets. Like no one, you can't have more than three people in a room on, on the same set at the same time. It's like, okay. We
0: we do have a few other interesting hot freaks. Um, uh, Drewster 100 says the DMA represents the sins of Starfleet past and they must make amends spear builders so, if we're talking about the sins of Starfleet's past, yeah, there's lots of sins, but I think it's um, with um, with Mister Arrogant Scientist from Risa that we got. Um, I we mentioned that he is working on this one of the super secret um, next level uh, spore drive projects, right? And all of a sudden he, he knows that there's a pee in the middle of a pod and that's what you have to push, uh, to, to make the DMA go or to make it stop. How does he know this? How do we get all this information? So yeah, it really feels like the DMA, if it's not some like creepy, big bad using some crazy power source to destroy whole worlds, then it is some, um, unknown side effect of intellectual and scientific hubris that maybe came out of one of these secret starfleet projects right
2: hmm yeah i was talking to drewster 57 and a half and i'm um, just kidding no um, but <laughs> I, I, I i like that idea um that it, it's representate it's, it's representative of something that maybe starfleet has done right if you think about they're at this point where they're creating this new federation And maybe it's not as rosy. However, I think because it's Star Trek and it's because it's Discovery, I wonder if there's some type of time element involved Mm. here, right? Like this is some experiment that has gone out of control, either in the future or in the past. And, you know, like I'm not quite willing to say that there's a big bad yet. And I'm more wondering if this is an accidental experiment gone wrong.
1: Yeah. It sort of reminds me from like the Kelvin verse when we have um, Spock in that like dark matter ship thing. Do you remember this? And like would cause the the big rip. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: So I'm wondering if there's something there. Um,
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the idea of, The sins of the Federation being, you know, the Federation being this, we are here for the good of everyone, can also be looked at as we know better. And Mm -hmm. if that goes unchecked, which it kind of seems like it has in this point in the Federation, um, we can have disastrous results, right?
1: Um. I did just see WYSIWYG uh, pointed out the mashed potatoes reminded them of cl- uh, Close Encounters. There's also a fun reference to Jaws in this. The we're gonna we're gonna need a bigger room. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I felt like they had a good time with some like very <laughs> weird like references in this script. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, our homie Chris Rogers has a hot for eight great episode. We got the Akali from Enterprise. I think that was the the uh the aliens that they saved right the akali um zora developing a consciousness very clearly setting up tarka as a villain or at least as an anti-hero i don't know um kolber uh chris says it's being set up to be replaced by gray in my opinion hmm. maybe just as a replaced. counselor I don't know. But
1: maybe, yeah, maybe an addition an additional counselor. Sounds like they mm-hmm. might need more than one on that particular ship.
0: Yeah, everybody's mm-hmm. got problems on this ship. Mm-hmm. Cobra can't handle them all, right? Yeah.
1: Um, because yeah, I could definitely but, see something like that.
0: What do you guys think with Tarka? Villain, anti hero, uh just cool, um, chaotic good. What are we thinking?
1: I think it's gonna be an accidental villain. Mm. Like, I don't know if he intends to be a villain, but I, I think there's a chance that he has gotten himself into some trouble.
2: I I agree. I'm I'm gonna call my shot and say he is somehow connected to this experiment gone out of control. And he he the his arrogance is such that whereas we saw Felix. And when Book explained what happened and why Felix needs to leave, Felix immediately said, I'm sorry for your loss. Like I felt the empathy, but I'm not going anywhere. I-, I think that Tarka has no empathy. And so for him, a planet being destroyed is just part of it's 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 collateral damage as part of this experiment. And he's interested in this experiment, it's his experiment. <sighs> And I think he's going to go from wanting to figure out what happened and using Starfleet and Discovery to do that, to then protecting it. And and so we're going to see a villain switch. Like, he's going to become this villain. But I don't think he's he's a malicious villain at the moment. I think he's a scientist gone rogue.
0: Okay. We're, we're, we're treading on theory territory here. Mm-hmm. Mariah, do you have any any updates? Any you know DME has got theories. DME theories.
1: I mean, the other big thing, and it's not new. I've seen it floating around the internet, and so, but I just wanted to chime in that I, I think it's an interesting one. Is the concept of the Viger coming back as like a possible? Oh, Viger. Viger, yes.
0: Yeah. Um, From uh, the motion picture.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, as a possible. Um, potential source or partner in this creation of a DMA now that we have it confirmed that it's not a naturally occurring
0: anomaly. That is interesting. Like if it's, uh, it was set up that this is not a naturally occurring anomaly or phenomenon. Uh, It would feel kind of stale if it's just like a bad guy behind all this. Right. But if it is some kind of technology that had, we thought was gone or long dormant left unchecked, and has grown into some other kind of entity that maybe has anger issues and feelings kind of maybe a parallel storyline with Zora that we're getting here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they cross those storylines together. Um, that could be cool. I mean, Star Trek loves stories about um, artificial intelligence becoming more human-like. Yeah. Right?
1: It feels like a, a. it would be like a natural next bump up from like control, right? Because that's my other than theory is that somehow this is connected to, to control mm-hmm. and them jumping into the future. And what happens if they took all with of this all the, and someone tried to recreate it?
0: With all the references to the syndicate, it would not surprise me if somehow the syndicate learned of and got control of, of control and brought it back to life somehow.
2: Yeah. You, you guys are sparking all kind of theories in my head right now. So, one, I got a question and a, and a, a comment or, or concern. My concern is so stress free K not to be confused with stressful K, K um, says, I feel like book is going to leave with, with Tarek and pilot the proto sphere drive. So they mentioned the fact that there are only two mm. people who can pilot the, the sphere drive. And they're still struggling with that. The whole idea is to have this new ship that can be piloted without, Book or stamens.
1: Whoa. Okay. When you're done, I have another okay. wild theory idea.
2: <laughs> what if in this whole testing of the protosphere, book dies? Yeah.
1: I feel like we can't take away more from Michael Burnham, one, but here's my second theory.
0: But now she's strong enough to this, take it.
1: I don't want it, though. Their That'll chemistry matter. is too good. I can't, you cannot. Oh. Like unless there's like a, a unless you can show me a deadline booking of of uh, <laughs> David Ajala getting some big role somewhere else, I won't believe that. Um, right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Marge what if says no? Exactly my my thoughts. Exactly. Um, but what if uh, Tarka was covering up the fact that he is instead kidnapped all of the empaths from books, planet to test the proto.
0: Oh, and I want to that.
1: destroy and accidentally destroyed the planet in that process.
0: Uh, but but I, like they're alive. Most of these empaths. Yes. Like he's, he's
2: taken them off world. Oh, yes. okay. I want that. I want yeah. that. I don't think I'm going to get it. Probably because, not, but it would be but wild. I want right. It. I would. Well, cause, cause here's the thing. Like I feel fi- like, to to be there one minute and then to see everyone you the like your whole planet like destroyed. I'm hope like I want that to be undone. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I just I want someone I want this is Star Trek, so somehow I want I want that to be undone and I want book to stop hurting. So I want yeah. that. I just don't know if I'm gonna get it. So here's my well, other question for you guys though. Mm-hmm. So they teased us with the Calypso short track. And we then waited like a full season to see something around like this computer and this state. Now we have it in a, a situation where she has a name, the ship has a name, the ship has feelings. Are they going to abandon the ship by the end of this, uh, by the end of this season? And we get a new discovery with the new spore drive.
0: I don't know, I don't because know we've either. already gotten a redesigned mm-hmm. ship this season, right? Like, it's already happened. I think they would wait a couple more seasons before they blow that up or change mm-hmm. the design of the ship again or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like that would be something that's that's going to be, like, the last episode of Discovery.
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Setting up the finale. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Setting up the finale. Yeah, I like that.
0: I, I like Mariah. I want to go back to your theory, which uh, uh, according to WYSIWYG, you're very sinister. Uh, I agree. <laughs> wow. um Stress says, "I've always felt there were some impasse left from Quajon somehow." So I like that idea. The show is setting up has has shown us a few things, right? Show shown us that uh, it reminds us. Pretty much every episode that um, Koye Johns are in paths through book, right? Um, the show showed us in this episode um, a refugee story and um, some depth behind that, and the show a few episodes ago. Uh, remember that episode where all those aliens were asleep on the pods on the ship mm-hmm. uh, in stasis. I mean, you put all that together, you know, maybe Tarka did take all these empaths from Quajon and they're asleep somewhere using this this kind of cryo sleep stuff that the other aliens were using. And they're alive and and they're going to wake up and Starfleet's going to welcome them as refugees somehow. Like, I'm just trying to pull from the episodes that we got.
1: Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, like, yes, all of that. But then if it's, like, if I'm going to dive into this full sinister self, right, it's, like, he – um, what's its name? Um, Tarka. Tarka has the leftovers from the emerald chain, t- you know, like, the scar on his neck. So, potentially, he could be a little double agent-y and perhaps was, like, the only way to pilot these things is – to use these empaths right that they've been able to figure out because they haven't been able to recreate what stamets has um so perhaps the tech not that, that's what i mean about like the technology has fallen into the wrong hands someone was like
2: mm.
1: oh we can pilot this using these specific people let's just go take all of those people and then destroy the planet because they're evil mohaha <laughs> 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 um but yeah I don't know it could be very interesting um,
0: um i want to get your guys um opinions on Kovitch and the way the show uses Kovitch or david cronenberg um i'm waiting for like some body just, horror <laughs> yeah yeah for sure uh we, he's just like taciturn mysterious dude with an like um, apparently an amazing ability to read people and help guide them in a very direct kind of harsh way but again it's like Who is this dude? Who does he answer to? Why is he so odd yet so incredibly perceptive? I kind of don't have a problem with the show just using Cronenberg slash Kovic as this mysterious, forceful, odd guiding figure whenever it needs to inject that kind of vibe. I think it's cool. Um, I think it's smarter than to use him that way. Um, But do you guys have any issues with the fact that his kind of like rank and who he is is kind of ill-defined.
1: I mean, I've always thought he was, like, some sort of, like, researcher, the, like, kind of resident... I don't know, you know, yeah. like, like he's like the CIA of uh, of Starfleet in like a weird way, right? Like he's got yeah. maybe some questionable tactics to to what he does, but is usually just used for intelligence gathering, which means he does know how to read people and is very blunt, probably has some sort of um, training in like psychology and all that kind of stuff. But I really appreciated the scene between him and Colbert. One because it was kind of calling out what we saw through lower decks, which is we love to bring people back from the dead and never address it. And then you just Cronenberg right. being yeah. like, "You were dead." Like
0: <laughs> last time they addressed his death and and reemergence on the show, it was a joke. And I think they've right. done it a few times where it's a joke. So it's great to see them actually bringing that back and dealing with it. Like, okay, it's not just a joke. You have survivors' remorse, and you're you're trying to bury it by helping other people, but it's not working for you. You're just distracting yourself. You're you're not dealing with the issue head on.
2: Yeah. I I love that. Like, I I really think that that was an incredible choice to, to bring that into this episode. It's really one of my favorite parts of the entire episode, because anytime Star Trek can look at itself and say, this is a trend, a trope that, that we do. Let's let's go in the opposite direction and address it. And I thought it was important for Culber, who it, you know, it's just it's one of these situations where we found a character and we're leaning on them for all of our social our our, our emotional needs. And you've got all this stuff going on in the, the the episode, and everybody's coming to the counselor. And I think what this trek is doing that's different from some other trek is we're acknowledging that that is a heavy emotional load to handle, especially for someone who is actually a doctor, right? And so I think when you look back at at past Star Trek, look, we all love Deanna Troy, but as a counselor, she just took it all and occasionally might have a somewhat psychotic break, but that was more due to her empath issues and not the load that she carried. And maybe that's not real. Right, maybe what we're seeing is look, counselors need help too, and I love that Star Trek addressed that, especially yeah, for much. a person who died and came back to life.
0: Mm-hmm. Ch- Chupi says, talking about that scene with Colbert and Kovic, uh, I don't think we'll ever get a backstory to Kovitch. She says, like like Boothby from TNG, he's just there dropping truth bombs. I, I think that's that's fine. Um, Wig says Kovich, uh Kovitch is a new guy in. Um, it makes sense to bring him in this way in this episode to have this direct, uh, yet deep conversation with Colbert just really quickly. Uh, And also Colbert's not talking about this with anyone else, right? Because he's Mm -hmm. the counselor. So he has to have this conversation with somebody on the outside. Um, so yeah, it did make perfect sense to bring him in. Uh, Kern says seeing both Reno and Kovic in the same episode were highlights for me. Let's, let's, get let's get a buddy. Let's <laughs> get yeah. a little buddy episode with Reno and Kovic, right? That
1: would be we, kind of hysterical. Be,
0: we'll have a curmudgeon off. Uh, I do want to say uh, Chris Rogers is giving Mariah props. Why isn't Mariah writing for Star Trek? Somebody at Alex Kurtzman. Because <laughs> she's yes. here with
2: us. She's here with us. That's why. Your Mariah comment. doesn't do
0: it for the money. <laughs> Not for I the do fame. It
2: for the love. She the love of Trek. For the love.
0: For the love. That's why we're here. Love of Trek. Uh, What do you guys (laughs) think about the Federation working to establish itself again as a unified force of good for all? Um, Like like struggling to – still struggling to go out and say – Okay, we're the Federation. I know we weren't great before. We were, and we weren't. Now we're here. We're back. We're trying to help you. Please trust us. Like, we got that again with the prisoners. Is that going to feel old after a while?
1: I don't think so. Because, I mean, you're trying to shift a cultural perception perception of, like, yeah. multiple cultures And it's like a reputation that was ruined for hundreds of years. So I don't think it would ever be an overnight. I think if it was an overnight process, that would be very unrealistic, even for a sci-fi show.
2: True. I also think it depends on where the show is going. And I don't Mm -hmm. know that you can do both and you can either say, Hey, this is our ideal and we're going after this ideal. um, And that's who we're going to be as a, as a, as a show. And, Starfleet is going to be held to the standard and bring out utopia. Or you can show that I- any superpower, p- right, is, that even tries to go after this becoming this unified force is t- torn apart by the selfish nature of the people inside of it and corruption always follows, right? I think you can go after one of those. I don't think that you can go after both. And that'll be the interesting thing about this show. I, for one, like, I mean, there is enough of everybody's corrupt, everybody's selfish in every other show on television. The thing I love about Trek is this idea of ideals, what could be, where things that are aspirational. So I'm hoping they go after there, right? I don't want Vance to be sus. I don't want the president to be sus. I'm okay with Tarka being sus. (laughs) <laughs> but but I really want Starfleet to stand for, you know, when people say, what's the best governmental agency you've ever seen? I want people to say the Federation.
0: Yeah, I agree. I like that you bring up Tarka again, because just, just another point, like, feather in his cap for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think of uh, a Ryzean, I, you think of the Pleasure Planet, right? That's all we've ever mm-hmm. seen uh, right. in the Trek that yep. I've seen. You know, you see, like... Vanessa Williams in DS9 being a very intelligent uh, and, and strong-willed person, but also being the person who's there to cater to others' needs and to make sure that they're comfortable, kind of like a, a cruise director, right? A glorified, And that's what you think of when you think of Rhysians. So I like that we're getting yet another uh, example of Star Trek um, destroying its own trope of an alien species. Uh, with this character, you know. That's
1: Although cool. I do think, and and I'm hoping they play with it a little bit, the concept of someone who grew up on that planet, even having that kind of intelligence, but then also probably culturally being so—I uh, don't think he's often been told no before, right? Because he mm, grew up on a sure. planet where yeah. anything you want can happen. Yeah. So what happens when Saru says no?
2: <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Mike said Vanessa Williams. I got distracted. I don't hear. I say <laughs> after that.
1: <sighs> Dax and Vanessa
0: Williams oh, right. Vanessa, well, I gotta watch that episode like tonight now
2: <laughs> Hey, I, I, I was thinking the same thing alright, yeah. slack crew you know you know what my watch <laughs> my watch along uh, recommendation yeah. is
0: mm-hmm. there was a lot mm-hmm. to talk about with this episode, like a lot of little bits that really brought up some like um, some some interesting thoughts for all of us, is there anything else you guys want to touch on? I think Mariah, maybe I cut you off a little bit a few minutes ago
1: Oh no, I mean the other thing I was going to say we, we didn't get to talk um last week. We we greatly missed all of y'all for for live streaming, but I feel like we have right. to touch on the fact that Tilly is seemingly yeah. gone for right now. Um yeah, I
2: was going to say the same thing,
1: which is it, I I I mean ba- this isn't really a spoiler. It's like they pretty much confirmed it on um the the ready room that Tilly will be back at some point this season, much like how Saru has left and come back and We'll kind of see what that looks like going forward um, for her as a character. But I, um, you know, I thought last week's episode, I, I, um, I, it was a great Tilly character arc, but I was a little disappointed in some of the, like, directorial choices of that particular episode. Um, oh, yeah? Like what? I just thought there was, like, it was, like, weird pieces were chosen of that perform like of different performances i don't know it felt uneven it felt a little choppy Mm -hmm. um to me personally this is also the it could just be a weird i I also the director is the same guy who edited um uh bohemian rhapsody which i also Mm -hmm. did not enjoy so i feel like it's just like (laughs) the reputation spoiled it in my mind um so yeah but I'm really I'm, I'm hoping we get Tilly back sooner than later and some. Way, yeah, I do too.
0: I, I, I don't mind I, I like the idea of um Tilly doing something for herself and coming to a right. realization that part of part of my uh, trajectory towards the captain's chair was, was kind of just showing my mom I could do it. But with my mom and all those expectations removed from the equation, now that right. she's long dead, I'm gonna do something for myself. And yeah. what I'm what I'm gonna do for myself might not seem as um, ambitious, or maybe not as um, uh, just wow, you know. But it's for me. It's not, and I, that's that's something that I've come to accept in my life as well. You know, just do what makes me um, feel happy and makes me. If you're gonna feel happy, you're gonna be a, a much a much nicer person to be around and you're going to be a lot happier and you're going to make the ones around you feel a lot more comfortable. Um, And you're not just doing it for the kudos, right? You're not doing it to be impressive. Uh, And that's what she came to in her life. And I like that storyline. The fact that she got packed her bags 10 seconds later and ran away was felt super rushed and unauthentic. So kind of a mixed bag for me.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah, I, I would, I'd agree with a lot of that. I, I love it for Tilly, right? Like I, I'm, you know, in my business, I'm all about career development. I'm all about having a job that you love, right? That that is at the core of who I am. So for me, if if Tilly's looking and going, I need to explore something else, even if it leaves me back to command track. But I, I feel like I was doing this for one reason. That reason has been dead a thousand years. I want to try something else. I'm all for that. As a fan of this show, there are characters that I just feel like are a core piece of this ensemble. And I don't ever want to see them leave the show. Right. And there's a lot of them, but Tilly's is clearly one of them. Right. Stamets is another, right. It's just, they bring something that no one else on the show brings And so I'm okay with her being at the Academy. Now you have to figure out how do I see her every episode or every other episode or or something? How does that link in, um, in a way that is meaningful? I just don't know. But the idea of Tilly being off the show feels like a major character was lost. And you worry about whether or not the show will be the same after that. That's my concern. You think it's just the idea that
0: there are so many cast members who have been elevated to speaking roles and with with ongoing uh, character development and plots that it's just like we can't service all these characters in every uh, episode or in every other episode. So we got to get some out of the picture for like four or five episodes. Is that what's
2: going on here? Maybe. But I'll say this one. Look, if this is because. There's a life thing that's going on until he needs a break. Cool. Understand that much respect. If this is because she's got a, a, a a project that she wants to work on that is fulfilling, that is really fulfilling for her. Again, much respect. If it's because there are too many people that they're trying to give time to love them bridge crew. One of y'all should go teach at at, at Starfleet <laughs> Academy. Tilly's not on that list. Sorry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Chupi says anyone think Tilly and the cadets will have a hand in solving this in terms of the mm-hmm. DMA? Yeah. Nice. Why not? That would be cool. Cool way that to bring her back in Chupy, for a save. Nice. Maybe Tilly would be the Riker at the end of the season who comes in yeah. and saves everybody, right? <laughs> That'll be cool. So yeah. you're missing Tilly Moreau?
1: I, I, I mean, I am, I feel like there are, I mean, I just, I love Mary Wiseman. I think she's just mm-hmm. like a really, like an incredible talent. um So I'm hoping we get to see her again. I do think, you know, I think Adira is playing, like if they needed to sort of bring, essentially if the, if the archetype they're trying to fill now that Tilly has sort of hit this like growth point is the young aunt, like the young genius, the young um person who's like there to sort of like challenge the the older people in the room i think adira is fitting that in a in a particular way um at this point so i think it could just be that they're trying to figure out a way to shift tilly's character and this is the easiest way for them to sort of change that dynamic up a little bit so that she isn't seen as this like essentially to make her seen as a true equal, right. To the other sort of elevated members of the bridge instead of being that Adira person. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It'll, it'll be, I, I I trust, I trust they're not, they, I feel like the love for Mary Wiseman is there. So I don't think we're going to get rid of her anytime soon.
2: I I think
0: Tilly's going to realize that the cadets need um, training on a ship. So she's going to bring her cadets to discovery and lead them there. And then she'll be on the show. Right.
2: I like that, Mike. Look, I, I'm going to say this. I know that it's not, this isn't great writing. What I'm about to say, I'm aware of that, but I am for uh, an engineering scene with Tilly, Janet Reno, Adira and Stamets every week, solving some technical problem. Like they can be in that set. I don't need them on the bridge. Like if that, if I get that every week, I'm good. And again, I know we're not talking about great writing, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> short, <trek. Make laughs> it short, short trick, make it a short trick every yeah. week. Yeah. I'm, but I'm saying every week, I want that every week. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. Did, did, aside from some of the editing choppiness and some of the tropiness of last week, I, I enjoyed the episode. Probably. I like this week's a lot better for sure. Yeah. I agree. Agreed. Anything else you want to say about this or last week's episode, guys? I,
2: I will say I, I liked what they did with the Orion character last week. So again, I think sure what they what they did with with that cadet, what they did with um, Tarka this week is Star Trek. Star Trek Discovery is very subtly taking shots at stereotypes. Right, they're breaking down what we think we know about about stereotypes and i'm for it right like you think about an orion and you're like you have all these preconceived notions and they slapped us in the face with that when he when we realized he was from ryza we all had pleasure planet in our in our heads and tarka quickly said yeah pleasure pleasure planet basically not if you're a dork and I thought that that was, I thought that was good. So I like what they're doing and kind of um, redefining what we think of and how we, how we fall into this trap of thinking that everybody from a particular planet is the same. And we do that a lot, whether it's Klingon, Romulan, or Vulcan, we've gotten in this trap of going, well, okay, well, the planet is the same. And if you think about what Star Trek stands for, it's kind of ridiculous. And I like that they're, they're, they're calling us on it.
0: Yeah. It's true. And Star Trek does have a great history of sometimes uh delving into these stereotypes and tropes that the franchise itself has built and ingrained in us and and making them deeper and challenging what you think about them and turning them on their heads and having characters that defy those tropes, right? Like like the Ferengi's on DS9 like Quark, um like Rom who Break the mold of just being like a greedy, you know, selfish little trolls. You know, they grow into full dimensional characters, three dimensional characters and don't exactly do what you think a Ferengi is going to do. Um, and, yeah, that that tradition is definitely carried on more here in Discovery. Uh, and, yeah, the latest example was was our Ryzen scientist for sure. All right. I think we're at an end point, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back next week with another dive into Star Trek Discovery with a review of season four, episode six. Uh, Mariah, talk to people.
1: Yeah, so you can find us at StarTrekPod.co where you can find all the links to subscribe to both the audio and video versions of this podcast. Uh, Make sure if you would like to join us on Thursday nights live and engage with us in the chat, you can do that on YouTube. Uh, And you can click that notification bell and subscribe so you get an alert when we go live. Clyde, how else can people find us on the internet?
2: make sure you follow us at star Trek pod. Um, you can follow us on Insta and Twitter. I want to say a quick thank you to Karen who runs our Twitter. Thanks, Karen. Thank you, Karen. And Grant's not here. So we haven't mentioned patreon.com
0: slash star Trek pod. Not only can you find bonus content on our Patreon, but if you give us two bucks an episode, you get an instant invite to our private Slack group filled with tons of positive Trek fans having um, watch parties almost every night of the week having discussions about Discovery about New Trek about Old Trek Uh, it's full of a bunch of great people in there and you definitely want to be a part of it so go to patreon.com slash Star Trek pod uh, give us two bucks uh, an episode and you'll be welcomed into the, uh, the private Slack I think that is all we got we'll be back next week live long and prosper
1: Bye.